Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. When was the last time that you responded busy when someone asked you how you're doing? Until about five months ago, that was a pretty common response. And in fact, it was often a point of pride. And in my professional world, I saw it as a diversion, a way to focus on things that were comfortable instead of dealing with things in your life that require time and effort. Things like dealing with too many arguments or too much distance in your marriage. Now that the world has been forced to slow down, it's much harder to avoid those uncomfortable moments. And how well your relationship will weather these uncertain times depends on how you choose to deal with these moments. But what can you do? How can you start when it feels so awkward and uncomfortable? Well, my guest, couples coach and founder of Embodied Breath, Sarah Poet, is here to answer those questions. So, Sarah, thanks for coming on the show and tackling what's a very timely topic, but also one that I think people really just like, can we just put that in the corner and not pay attention to it? Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me, and we're certainly in a collective time where we're being asked to look at things that are uncomfortable, and it, the corners are um, being illuminated, <laughs> so it's like harder to hide. Mm-hmm. Yes. So part of what prompted me to contact you was that you wrote a piece for the Good Men Project titled, Extra Time Could Be Revealing a Lack of Intimacy. Um, there's a lot of things that I think reveal a lack of intimacy, but that's a really good one. Um, but, so before we jump into the answers, can you share some of the common things that couples are going through right now? Sure. So, you know, I think what you were saying in the intro that this busyness in our culture really can allow for a certain level of avoidance. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's true in any relationship or just in our personal growth, but then also in our close relationships and our marriages. And so right now there is a collective... I'll call it a shadow if that word um, resonates with the audience. And if you haven't heard that before, it's like the stuff that lives in our subconscious that we are, um, that we might prefer to avoid or we're just not (laughs) sure that it's there um, Mm -hmm. because life just marches on most of the time. And so, you know, you've heard, and I'm sure every listener has experienced something that has come to the surface to be looked at, to be revealed. You know, we're seeing it in the news. We're seeing it everywhere that, oh, because we slowed down, we actually get a glimpse into the subconscious and into what's uncomfortable or we would have preferred not to look at before. Mm -hmm. And so that's manifesting in relationships in a lot of ways because I think a lot of people just get into the groove And the groove might not be ideal or feel really connected, but it functions well enough. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the busyness of our culture, when people are staying in that busy 
functional groove, um, you know, I think that that's what leads to a lot of marriages dissipating or a lot of breakups because modern life in that busyness doesn't necessarily allow for the connection. And so it's like the dysfunction's there. We're not mm-hmm. used to looking at it. But the potential is also really, really big as well. Well, and it's really interesting because you mentioned that, and and as you're talking, I'm thinking that I think a lot of people, you know, like like you said, in their conscious mind, it's like, well, we would be closer if there were time. So they're actually looking at Mm -hmm. their their lack of connection or whatever as a as a function of all the other things that they have to do. But it's you know, but I think you and I see it as well. No, they're doing all those other things, so they don't have to address this. And it's not that those other things that they're doing aren't valuable, um, mm-hmm. you know. Because I mean, and, and again, I talk about the child-centric society where it, you know we have to make sure that our children are happy and entertained. And it's like I'm going, oh, please stop that. But um, not that I didn't want my children to be happy, but that wasn't the be-all and end-all. Um, you know, but we have this thing that it's all about the kids as opposed to making sure that the primary relationship that's supporting those children is in a, is in a good place. But people are going, yeah, but we don't have time for that because yeah. we have to go to soccer right. or we have to go to gymnastics or we have to, you know, do this or do that. And it's like, and now they can't do that. And now it's like, mm. oh. <laughs> mm, mm. That's such a good point. And I know that a lot of couples in modern society – um, and people who are aware that they do want to feel better, like maybe modern life isn't fulfilling all of what they want life to be. And so they started a personal self-care practice. And, right. you know, maybe they're catching a yoga class on a Saturday morning or then like or a basketball game on a Saturday afternoon, that kind of thing. And so I think that, you know, modern couples swap their their child care time, their work time, and their self-care time. And so they're trying to grow as humans and feel, um, you know, better or feel Mm -hmm. satisfied as modern people and balance out some of that busyness. You know, we talk a lot about, like, work-life balance. So I think we have these personal growth paths, um, Mm -hmm. but – we're swapping out the child care. And so there's not like a mutual growth path right. that we're not talking about that for, for couples, you know, enough, in my opinion. Um, so it's like, how do we grow together and how do we stay connected mm-hmm. even though modern life is so busy? And now with the interruption in that busyness, um, you know, a lot can be revealed. <laughs> and so it's like, mm-hmm. oh, it wasn't just the time that was the issue. It wasn't just well, the time. It, yeah, it, exactly. And, and now we've got the time, and now we're faced with, you know, because, because I know people are talking about, you, know, you, you have the question of, are we going to have more babies at the end of this and more divorces? And my answer is yes, because mm-hmm. we're going to have both. And it's, a lot of it depends mm-hmm. on where couples are. Um, and you mentioned in your piece that an important condition for this connection, for this you know, being able to, to grow together is creating a safe environment. So yeah. what makes that important? And more importantly, how can it happen? Right. And this is a big question. It's really important. Thanks for asking it. 
So, you know, if we look around in the news today or looking around in the world or just look around at the fact that we're all wearing face masks, I mean, safety is a concern right now, right? Mm -hmm. we, We don't necessarily feel the safest we've ever felt in the world. <laughs> and I think that this comes into partnerships, but these, these concerns about safety have already existed. But I really love to talk about relationships and how we relate and connect in our intimate relationships based on actually what our brain and breath and body are doing. So, when we're talking about connection, in order to have a real true authentic connection, our breath needs to be regulated, we need to feel safe in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And what's actually happening, I don't think we talked about this nearly enough with couples work, um, we need to be addressing fight or flight in, uh, in our mm-hmm. system, right? Like in our nervous system. Mm-hmm. And so even though there's more time, um, again, we have this lack of safety in the world. It could be revealing like the, the ways that we actually don't feel safe to connect in our intimate partnerships. And that information could be something that people realize at the forefront, but it also might be something that lives in the body memory or lives in the subconscious. So, how do we create safety is a really big question. It's really, really wonderful question. I know we're going to get to some more of that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, addressing even if just to yourself to begin with, like where you feel uneasy, where you actually feel a little bit unsafe or, you know, sometimes we call this vulnerability. Like where do you feel that you can come into connection with your partner, but where are you actually maybe fearful that you can't come into connection with your partner? And mm-hmm. then we can really begin to address that fight or flight that is at, I'm telling you what, fight or flight is present in every relationship, every yeah. relationship. And, you know, when we talk about the issues and we go to the, we try to process cognitively, like most talk therapies, it uh-huh. doesn't actually create safety in the body or safety in the system that allows the connection because we're still kind of cerebral in our processing. So true connection doesn't come from that place. True connection does not come from the talking. It comes from other forms of relating, which I'm happy to go into. Well, and that's just such a really interesting thing um, because those of us who who do this work we we understand this and it's and it's one of the things that I will tell my clients I said please do not underestimate the power of breathing <laughs> and people look at me like I'm crazy because it's like when you're flooded with emotion and, and by the way I want to talk about what we what we mean by safety yes there's actual physical safety if you are not physically safe don't feel physically safe with your partner. That's something that needs to be addressed. But, but what, I, what we're mm-hmm. talking about a lot of is, the, is the feeling of emotional safety, this, this interpretation of fight or flight. I mean, I can't tell you, and I'm sure you deal with this with couples all the time, people who say, well, I can't talk to my partner about that. Mm-hmm. Why? That's the emotional mm-hmm. safety. That's, you know, well, I'm afraid they'll be upset or, you know, I'm afraid 
of, you know, whatever, whatever it is. And they'll actually use the word, I'm afraid, right? They'll say that. Mm-hmm. And, and so mm-hmm. sometimes they'll say, okay, so when you're feeling that, just breathe. And they look at me like, what are you talking mm-hmm. about? I said, take, just slowly take deep breaths. And, and when then they try it and they go, oh, my gosh. And I said, yes, it works. <laughs> but, but we forget right. that that's right. that way we, we slow ourselves down and let, and, and let the feelings, because this is what your people, I mean, I always love working with people who say, well, you know, feelings are, are pointless or there's no use to them. I'm going, yes, but they're very present and they're going to be in charge unless you address them. And I think that's what we're mm. talking about is, is giving somebody that safe space, right, to, to be able to mm. have, to be present. Yeah, well, I mean, we can look at this in terms of science. Like, we don't even have to debate the importance of emotions. Or I actually don't teach emotional language in my practice. I I don't think we need it. The the most important thing is that we're able to to recognize what the body's doing. So if Mm -hmm. your breath is short when you are beside your partner or you are hesitant to lay with them, um, these are signs of fight or flight in your system that are that are blocking connection, but you know, but no shame in that. Like it just it just is, right? Mm-hmm. So when yeah. we are in fight or flight, our brain is actually unable to function in a thinking capacity. So so the part of the yeah. brain that is in fear is different than the part of the brain that can rationalize. And so when you take those deep breaths, like you are advising, um, you're actually changing your brain state. You're changing your brain state from the limbic, you know, from the fight or flight back into the rational brain. So mm-hmm. if you're not feeling safe in your relationship, you know, emotional safety, or, or there's a reactivity in the way you and your partner talk with one another, you know, there's yelling, there's, no, I didn't do that, you did that, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Someone needs to pause and start taking a deep breath. Yeah. And um, and just, like, stop the reactivity because the fight or flight is not going to lead to connection, not, not at all, unless uh, you're, you're aware of what's going on and someone steps in to forge the connection. That's part of what I teach. But, um, you know, that takes some skill. Absolutely. So this is Happily Ever After. It's just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Gores, and I'm talking with fellow coach Sarah Poet, the creator of Embodied Breath, about how couples can take this opportunity to repair and refresh their relationship. And if you find yourself looking at your spouse like they're a stranger or you're somehow uncomfortable in their presence, first off, you're not alone. But it doesn't have to stay this way. And if you want a better, more connected marriage, you can have one. But doing the same thing is not going to get you there. Doing something different is the only way to go, and I can help with that. So just take a moment and send me an email or give me a call to schedule your free, no obligation, create your happily ever after discovery session. You can reach me at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. Or you can send me an email at Leslie. L-E-S-L-I at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N as in Nancy, C as in Charlie.com. And I want to get back 
to talking with Sarah about how couples can use this time that we've got to reconnect. So what are some other things? So we talked about slowing the breath down, being trying to become aware of the, what's happening in your own fight or flight thing that gets in the way of, of connection. So, but what are some other things that can help a couple reconnect? Great. So I am really focusing, even in my own relationship, but with every couple in my practice, with really putting time on the schedule, okay? Mm -hmm. So wherever you and your partner are, whatever that connection looks like currently, you don't have to have any high expectations of yourself. You can really put, you know, five minutes on the calendar between – you know, my partner and I are both working from home. We were both entrepreneurs. We could work all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, we have to, like, we make a stopping point um, and then insert, like, a pause together, right? Mm-hmm. And then during that pause, we could breathe together. And so doing that at transitions, you know, is, is a really good idea. So I'm recommending put it on the schedule, put like when you're going to connect on the schedule. Uh You know, if you're in the same house all day, every day, like put it on the schedule that you're going to have date night. You know, last night, uh, my partner made a nice dinner. We both dressed up. We're still in the same house. Like we've been Uh quarantined in this house, (laughs) but we did, we were like, we're going to have date night and it's Uh going to be different. So scheduling that time. And then scheduling the time during transitions from one activity to the next activity to really mark that you're coming back into connection together. So I know, you know, for working from home and, and like, partners are bringing their work to the kitchen table, uh-huh. that's really hard, right? Yes. So we need to, like, mark the transitions in our day, in our schedules, um, and then I mentioned it, but, but if you can sit and breathe together for five minutes, there's magic that's going to happen. <laughs> so if you are in a very disconnected relationship and you can manage to just sit on the couch and take those deep breaths together for five minutes, you don't need to talk about it. You don't need to process. Mm-hmm. You don't need to critique how your partner is doing it. You are just breathing beside each other. That's a starting point. Then, um, you know, you're going to feel that relaxation of the fight or flight that is going to lead to different opportunities for connection. Okay. So it's like just do it. <laughs> you know, don't think too much about it. Uh-huh. Don't tell me all the reasons why you can't do that. Don't think that you need a meditation practice. It's like uh-huh. you're sitting and you're just breathing together. That's like that's the basics. And from there, a lot really happens. You know, don't underestimate that. Like you can really change the quality of your relationship and your connection with five minutes of mindfulness together. Um. And then the other thing I would say around that is, like, do it together, right? So if you're in one room and they're in another room, that's not really what I'm talking about. Because, again, Uh in the modern busy world, we're kind of getting better at doing that personal self-care. But I'm talking about doing it with your person, Um, Uh even if it's uncomfortable. 
you know, like especially if it's uncomfortable with you, you can do it and see what happens. Right, and and some and sometimes just you 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 could be doing it, and you and one of you or the other thinks that this is just silly, and then you just break out in laughter. But that that yeah. actually is also a connection, you know. Right. Um, and and we right. get we we stand in such judgment of ourselves that you know mm. I you know, we shouldn't need to do this. And should is this as as my listeners know, should is my least favorite word in the entire English language, and I would abolish it if mm. I could. But this should, shouldn't, you know, we, we shouldn't have to do this. But it's really interesting you talk about the transition times because I, I can't remember years ago, um, I, was at a, I was at a seminar um, and with, with Pat Love and Steve Stosny and they'd written this book and they were talking about the, 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 the rituals and how to make your relationship more connected, and they were talking about four times a day, what you do when you wake up, what you do when you leave each mm-hmm. other, what you do when you come home at the end of the day, and what you do right before you go to sleep. That if you did, mm-hmm. if you connected in those four times of the day, you, mm-hmm. you, you'd stay in connection. And that's kind of what you're talking about, is taking these transition times and just being together, not doing yeah. anything, <laughs> just being right. Right, right, and, right, and and, and I mean, it, sounds, mm-hmm. it sounds so simple because it is. It really is that simple. Right, and I think a lot of people expect that just because they're married or in a relationship with a good person, that the connection should just happen by default. But that's actually mm-hmm. not true. Mm-mm. And so, um, you know, I experienced this in my own relationship during quarantine, you know, you're spending so much time together, you think that you should be more connected. But what we're finding, again, is that like, well, you know, he was running one schedule, I was running another, um, mm-hmm. we, we could work all day sort of thing. And we had these preferences, and we were just kind of following them. And I was like, wait a minute, we need to be consciously um, you know, breathing together, like taking these points of connection together. And it required a few weeks of like finagling personal preferences in schedule or personal preferences in self-care, even like spiritual practice, you know, meditation, that kind of thing. So how did we, we both had to give and take on like mm-hmm. tweaking what we may have preferred so that we could actually deepen our connection and all this opportunity that we that we have right now in this time. Okay. And, you know, this, the ugly stuff does come up. Like, mm-hmm. if you're going to try to get closer, you're going to have to deal with, <laughs> with what's um, been hiding under the rug, you know? And right. so mm-hmm. it's, it's a really beautiful opportunity, you know, if both are, are willing to see it as such, um, it's a, it's a very beautiful time to do a lot of mutual growth work rather than just that side-by-side. Okay, and Sarah, I don't know if you hear my listeners, but, but my listeners with children are screaming at me right now. <laughs> what do we do with the right. kids, right? You know, because, I mean, right. and, you know, and, and so, so they're going, well, this is all great. This is all great that we spend transition time breathing and we have date nights, but we've got these kids. So, yeah. Which, which again, are children are some of the worst things to ever happen to relationships. But <laughs> not, and I have two grown children, and I love them to death. But um, you know, but but they are disruptive, and they they also can serve as an excuse. So how do we get couples? Well, so first off, what do we do about the kids? And then how do we get couples to move past using them as an excuse? 
I really love the word excuse because I, I would challenge any couple to tell me that you can't find five minutes to breathe together before you go to bed after the kids are asleep. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, w- I would kind of push back and say, well, are you finding time to watch TV? Are yeah. you finding time to be on social media? Like, we all have the same number of hours in a day, and we have to be mindful about what gets our attention. And I think when there are children, I am a mother, um, you know, we can get so caught up in the stress of that that we want to check out. Mm-hmm. And so you have to check back in and you have to put it on the calendar. You know, you, you, you just have to. Um, and I, I really believe that everyone can find, you can find five minutes at the very beginning of the day before the children wake up. You can find five minutes at the end. You can find it. And um, yeah, I'll just, I'll just push back in that way. <laughs> and then the other thing is like involve the children. Mm-hmm. Involve the children. So, you know, I, I used to be a mindfulness teacher for children, actually, and now my child's um, in the house, obviously, during quarantine. And so, you know, we started doing things like exercising together, doing mindfulness together, um, mm-hmm. you know, listening, listening to certain podcasts or news and talking about it together. You know, like there is always a way to um, – involve your children so that they're learning about how to stay connected to their own conscious decision-making as well, right? So if I'm just plopping my child in front of the TV so that I can do my personal work or, or I can, you know, do my, my job, um, that's not doing my child any favors. You know, I need to right. be thinking about, like, how he's being engaged at this time as well. So um, it's different, and I think yeah. it's... I wouldn't argue, you know, that it's not challenging, but it's worthwhile and I think it's called for. And again, there's so much opportunity at this time if we take advantage of, you know, okay, it's not comfortable, but I'm going to look at it because it's coming up. So um, that's a conscious choice, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not easy, but it's necessary. So, well, and that's what I would and say. If we're teaching, <laughs> and if we're teaching our children, because because of course they're all, they're also very out of sorts through all of this. Their normal life has been upended, and and right, and rarely do we actually talk to our children about these things, and mm-hmm. it will actually help right. them self-regulate. So finally, right. like, what, you know, you know, so there are some people going, yes, but you know, we've been so disconnected for so long, or my partner doesn't want to participate in five minutes of breathing. You know what? What would you suggest for people who who you know, who who have who are creating or maybe they're real, maybe these are real things that they're running up against. But what would you suggest for for people who maybe have been you know, re- looking at their partners like, who is this stranger walking around my house? Or they're saying, mm-hmm. you know, they're poo-pooing this whole concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would first encourage to look optimistically for where the opportunities are, even if they feel like it's closed down. So Mm -hmm. chances are, you know, if you want your partner to breathe with you for five minutes, I, I think that that's a really good entry point. And, Mm -hmm. you know, how we ask 
you know, you and I are both women. Yeah. How we ask as women often is um, like we have <laughs> we have an agenda, we have a critique <laughs> in how we're asking, um, and we need to be neutral and non-judgmental, which you mentioned before. So, um, you know, like, like a request, right? And I do uh-huh. a lot of women's coaching um, in terms of how to relate to men to uh, bring forward that willingness. And often it's very much in how we ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the, a, a large portion of my work is women's work. And mm-hmm. so the other thing I'll say is if your partner is completely shut down to you, I mean, there might be indicators for where that relationship might end up, but continue to do your work and continue mm-hmm. to do this work about conscious breathing and knowing what's going on with the sensations in the body and fight or flight and, you know, do your personal work. Don't shut yourself down. Um, and oftentimes, and I won't go into the why uh, for time's sake, but oftentimes if we begin to do, and again, I'm kind of talking to, you know, to women here, but it signifies to men, if we do our personal work and we do that sincerely and we're living in our relationship non-judgmentally, we're not criticizing our partner, we're just inviting them along, mm-hmm. It's kind of like sooner or later something's going to change. You know, maybe you decide that the relationship is not going to work, but maybe, and it's way more likely than a lot of people would think, your partner is actually going to start to want to come along. Um, Now, not because you're nagging them, not because you're, you know, threatening them. But uh-huh. when you do the authentic work, it often, it like, shifts the energy um, in the relationship such that, like, there's a, it's a little enticing. Um, and that can take some time and take some skill, but it's possible. It's possible. Well, and I'm so glad that you mentioned this because, because you know, the only, the only person that you know, we we are our, we are the template. However, we feel is just how we feel, and and projecting that onto somebody else is is a problem. And I think a lot of people yeah. don't understand that men frequently don't don't know how they feel, right? Because it's not something mm-hmm. that they've been. I mean, yes, probably in the last twenty years, we're starting to encourage men to do this. But, but it's like, that, you know, they don't necessarily know what's going on in their bodies. And so if they can be invited into that, not nagged into it, but invited into that, then it does open up a whole different world, not just for them, but, but for you as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, yeah, there's a lot of cultural conditioning around you know, what it means to be man, what it means to be woman. I have a TEDx that's about the feminine and masculine archetypes, which is a uh-huh. conversation that we don't often have. But I yeah. would invite listeners to, to go there to increase the empathy for, you know, what's been happening sort of like under this gender story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a lot, yeah. It, it, it's a lot more critical than most people no, but since you since you mentioned your TEDx, mm-hmm. um, can you please let people know where they can learn more about your work, how to bring 
you know, their breath and their body into, <laughs> into their relationship. Can you share that information? Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Thanks so much for the invitation. So I have an eight-week foundations course for couples that's all online um, and self-paced, and that's a nice neutral way for couples to learn some of these things without having to go into the office of the therapist or the coach. Um, it really works nicely paired with that kind of work as well. Um, so that and everything that I do, including my blog, my TEDx, is all at sarahpoet.com. It's S-A-R-A-H-P-O-E-T.com. Um, and, you know, people can contact me through, through there if they have any questions. Um, I'd, I'd be happy to answer any questions that I can or, or chat with anyone who um, has curiosities after listening to the interview today. Well, terrific. And, you know, we are definitely living in unusual times, and sometimes it takes everything you've got just to get through the day. But one thing that research has shown to improve overall health is the strength of your relationships. And isn't having your primary relationship be a source of comfort and connection worth some time and effort? So I invite you to consider that possibility. And until next week, stay loving. <laughs>